Welcome back to Wrestling Retold and Relived with Richie Mars. I, of course, am your humble, gracious host, Richie Mars, and I have a very special guest with me today. He was once ranked sixth in the world <laughs> in jiu-jitsu. It is Mr. Dave Patton fighting out of Sarah BJJ. There we go. How you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be on board, as they say, or... Happy to talk. A lot of wrestling uh, history in this head. Some of it's accurate. Some of it. <laughs> Some, Some of it. Not all, but you lived throughout many different eras of wrestling. You lived out the territory days until the monopoly days of WWE, WWF, WCW, all that, and now the independent territories and days. What is the major difference between all of those different eras, in your well, opinion? just to put it out there, I am 55. I am not ashamed. So I go way back. I was born in the 60s. I was introduced to wrestling in the 70s. But the biggest thing now is the amount of information you can get and the expediency that you learn things. Back when I was a kid, you had wrestling the rag sheets, the fanzines, you know, and that was your information. You were lucky to find those. And, you know, you would be watching wrestling on some local channel weird hours of the day. My introduction to wrestling was WTBS, which I think was a Turner station from Georgia. So they had Georgia Championship Wrestling. So here I am, a kid growing up in western Pennsylvania, no Mid-Atlantic for me. It was all Georgia Championship Wrestling. Rowdy Roddy was on there. And uh, Orndorff was there for a little bit. And then, but the, the two I remember, all the Snooka came through. You know, a lot of the names. Um, Jake the Snake was there, but it was before his snake thing. And it was just Jake Roberts. And he actually had a perm. So it, it was pretty unnerving. I only, re I was watching... Uh, some old film. That's the only reason I didn't remember the perm. <laughs> uh, but my two favorite as a kid were Mr. Wrestling 1 and 2. And they were, I don't know their real identities. They were masked wrestlers. And they had similar physiques in the same mask. And their whole shtick was they would switch without tagging. And it used to drive me insane as a kid. Because when I first watched it, because like every other kid... Didn't realize it was fake. Predetermined. Predetermined. A work. <laughs> and I can't remember how old I was. Probably like, you know, 35. No. Um, <laughs> and my dad's like, you do know this is an act. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> he was afraid I was getting too upset. Because I would yell at the television. <laughs> Did knowing that it was predetermined hinder your fandom at all? No, not really. It actually made it a little more enjoyable for me because I, I was able to let go of the outrage of the cheating and the heels and the, like, why is, why is this ref still working, you know, when I keep missing it? And it's funny because all of the adults, I think now that watch Marvel movies, of which I'm a great fan, I think are the wrestling fans from back when I was a kid. I think there's a lot of crossover, even in the age. 
nowadays, as opposed to back then, wrestlers are being treated more as uh, legitimate, legitimate entertainers, blockbuster and, yeah. names. You had Mr. Nanny. Ugh. You, you know? Ugh. You, you had some, like, Jesse Ventura was in Predator. Yeah. But that was few and far between. You had Roddy Piper in They Live. Yeah. That is a great movie. That actually made me appreciate Roddy Piper a lot more, too. That was... I love that movie. Um, Jesse the Body had a bunch of roles. He was in Running Man. He was in Demolition Man. Very briefly. Yeah, he was one of the Unfrozen... I believe so. I'm... Yeah, here's here's that long term memory problem. No, um, but you know he he but he's always basically playing himself. When you have these larger than life guys come in and come out, and then you have the mainstays like Mister Wrestling One, Mister Wrestling Two. How was that kind of different from your fandom when you have the mainstays and then you have the ones that come in every once in a blue moon? It was different because. You don't know what's going on in the different federation, uh, the different territories, excuse me. So, like, I actually at the beginning was oblivious to there being other territories. To me, there was Georgia Championship Wrestling, and that's wrestling. Hmm. It would be like if you didn't know anybody but the Yankees existed, you know. So, I just thought some people wrestled more often than others. <laughs> You know, it takes, like I said, it took you a while unless you started reading the magazines, unless you, know, you just didn't know. They were never superstars before. They were always wrestlers. Right. Then, you know, the WWE or WWF back in those days came in and they're like, these are the, you know, this is your superstar. This is your big name. And it, it did make it easier. That term superstar from wrestler to superstar what was the difference like to, hey, these are the guys who were wrestlers on TV to here's Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Mr. Wonderful as superstars? I mean, there definitely were the Hulk Hogans and the big names, but I kind of got the feel, especially when they moved towards sports entertainment, that's, oh, they're not wrestlers, they're superstars. So they could stop having to, you know, Treat it as a sport, be insured as a sport, etc. Was there an angle or a superstar that you looked at and you're like, all right, this is sports entertainment. This isn't wrestling how I knew beforehand. <laughs> the gobbledygooker. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, who was the, uh, the, the garbage man? What was his Duke, name? The dumpster drowsy. D- dumpster drowsy. Yeah, those. It, it, every wrestler seemed to have a second job. An occupation. An occupation. I'm like, all right, that's just, you know, that's a, that's a bit much. You remember Santa Claus? Yes, that was Balls Mahoney. Yes. <laughs> There's some winners. The Brooklyn Brawler, one of my favorite enhancement talent, who I actually got to meet at a WWE show probably in the early thousands at the Coliseum. Ooh, how was Brawler like? Uh, he was great. He was actually a road agent, and we're sitting up, and he came out, you know, he wanted to second tier not to be seen or first tier up, and I turn, I look at him, and I go, it's a Brooklyn Brawler, and I, like, completely blew up his spot, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's waving, <laughs> waving, and he had to leave, but it's just like... What do you think makes a great wrestling character as opposed to a great wrestler? Because you have people like... 
not to disparage them, but you have uh, Arn Anderson, you have mm-hmm. a current day Roderick Strong, who were phenomenal in ring talents, mm-hmm. but never seem to capture that character to yeah. connect with the audience. I always liked Arn Anderson. That's it. It wasn't mm-hmm. like it wasn't an act. He's not a dumpster, uh, a uh, garbage man. He's not a um, correction officer. No offense to <laughs> boss man. He just was this tough guy, and he played the tough guy, and it's still like that. I I appreciate it, and I like the fact that now I've definitely changed. I don't need the crazy gimmicks. I like the good solid wrestling. I love good promos. I love the storylines, like the um, whole Bloodline story is amazing. Absolutely. I loved it. Has there ever been a show where you consider it the worst event you've ever been to? The worst event ever was a WWE, and it pretty sure it was at um, Coliseum back in the day, Long Island, and it was Draws and D'Lo Brown. Draws gets... On his head. Yeah, D'Lo Brown does the running pile driver. It was supposed to be a power bomb, right? Yeah, but turned out he ran and yeah. dropped him right on his head. Mm-hmm. And it was weird because the X got thrown up right away. The ref threw the X up to say it was an injury. Was that your first time seeing the X? Uh, I had seen it before, but I didn't realize what it was. This kind of tipped me off. And it was, it was just not good. You could tell. The medics were in. They boarded him. They collared him. And the one thing that sticks in my head, it is unfortunate. It is a terrible thing to happen to draws. It happened in the line of wrestling. I just feel, I, I feel awful for him. But I also feel really bad for D'Lo. Because D'Lo, obviously, he, he didn't do anything crazy. He just fell. He slipped. He dropped him. And the way he fell. And then... D'Lo has to pin this guy that he knows he just hurt severely and walk out of the arena all badass thinking, you know, slamming his chest, looking how what, great what, it Was D'Lo still in character? Oh, he stayed in character the oh, whole wow. time. He pinned him and left. And the whole way out, he was, you know, he's doing his job. He right. did exactly what he's supposed to do. And I felt awful for Draws, obviously. I felt awful for D'Lo. And I don't think D'Lo has ever been the same since then. D'Lo even admitted he hasn't been the same since because ever since then he would second guess every move that he would do. And in wrestling, second guessing isn't good good for (laughs) anything. You just got to go. And it's because they never aired that match. They never showed that match on television because SmackDown was a tape show. Yeah. And that's what occurred. It occurred on the SmackDown. And just kind of seeing that horrible event take place how does that affect your fandom just kind of being reminding like hey these are trained professionals and these guys can get hurt back in about the same era there was a jet player i want to say dennis bird maybe who got paralyzed during a game and you just were watching live on tv or recently the buffalo bills player that basically died for a few seconds on television it's just it's weird it's a very weird situation that here's this thing you love and like oh my god people actually get hurt yeah you know it's just kind of an unfortunate things that people get hurt for the love of the game but speaking about hurting people uh, with a bad segue right here 
You are something of a jujitsu master. I am not a master. I you, am a, you were top six in the uh, world. No, okay. <laughs> so I am a jujitsu black belt, one-stripe one black belt under Matt Sarah. I have competed in the past. I was technically as a purple belt. I was number one in the world because I had no opponent in the first tournament of the season. So I was given the position because I showed up. I was given my medal, did not want the medal. They said, you have to take the medal, and I was ranked for a month, number one in the world. That's not even like a participation trophy because you didn't even no, participate. No, I didn't participate. Just... It was embarrassing. <laughs> and actually, there's a photo of me standing on the podium by myself. <laughs> they, made you, they, they made you stand they on made the podium. Me, well, what it was is that there were points for the team, okay. you know, yeah, the yeah. team trophy. And at that point, you know, we were under Henzo, Gracie, Mats, and so we had all the Henzo schools together. So to get the points, I had to get the medal. I had to go stand on the podium by myself. And it's actually, if you look on my social media, if you dig enough, you will see the picture of me with the forever alone face sh uh, photoshopped on my head. Where can we uh, find your social media? Uh, well, you can find me on Instagram as your mom's favorite ref. <laughs> Was a USA boxing coach for a time. I have done a couple you know, uh, matches here and there. But uh, I train people, I teach it, you know, with Sarah's every now and then. I used to teach more often, I'm kind of in semi-retirement. I'm enjoying not having to get up at 6 in the morning and teach a class. Yeah, Chuck, Chuck Liddell ran from you, right? Is that, is that the <laughs> yes, story? <laughs> no. It wasn't Chuck Liddell. My, my favorite story is years ago, it was Jose Canseco. Jose Canseco, was, you know, for the Oakland A's, was looking to do a kickboxing match. And they, you know, had it, word was out that they're looking for an opponent. So I, not a very good kickboxer. I'm pretty good at jujitsu, jiu pretty decent. Not a great kickboxer. I send them my resume as a goof. And at the bottom of it, I put, not afraid to look, make your guy look good. Ha ha. They called me back. <laughs> So I'm like, I think they were like interested to see if I was going to take a dive to Jose Canseco. Deferred. Would you have taken a dive? Would I have taken a dive to Jose Canseco? Uh, morally, absolutely not. But in the words of Eddie Murphy, how much money? <laughs> you know, I, I would have thought about it. It's not my main sport. It's Jose Canseco. Come on. I don't know. With you being a heavy background in jiu-jitsu and mixed martial arts in general, Getting back on the wrestling topic, how do you feel about the integration of these athletes? Like you have, from early on, you have Ken Shamrock, then you have Kurt Angle, then you have Brock right. Lesnar, then you have Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, Matt Riddle. You have all these people with MMA legit, legit fight backgrounds. backgrounds. I love it, and I hate it, especially with the jujitsu moves, because it's very hard, but not very hard. You look at these guys, and, you know, for a while, The Undertaker was doing the armbar. He was doing the go-go plata, right? Go-go plata. There's all kinds of different moves. And everybody simulating these moves, it looks like absolute garbage to somebody who knows what they're doing. It takes me out of the moment. Because you'll be watching a match, it's a great match, and then they'll put on a triangle choke. And you're like, oh, that's not even close. I forgot who it was. Somebody the other day, it's a triangle. The triangle choke is the worst. Because a triangle choke that's on... Is tight. You know it's tight. Any jujitsu guy from blue belt up knows it's tight. 
If you'll see it, you'll look at it, you're like, that's garbage. That's not doing squat. A lot of jujitsu is subtle. A lot of jujitsu, like triangle escapes, they wouldn't be good. The crowd's not going to see what they're doing. You know, it's not going to be good sports entertainment. Yeah, because with jujitsu, it's a lot of subtle movements yeah. that make it. So it's you know that's the other thing. It it certain things translate well, certain things don't. Re- like you know, old school college wrestling, freestyle wrestling takedowns, they're great because you see them. Mm-hmm. They're a big motion. Jiu-jitsu, small adjustments. I remember, this is rather recent, this is when Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins were having their uh, rivalry, mm-hmm. and they were trying to build up Seth uh, for this uh, fight pit match, which is, uh, <sighs> yes, uh, you, you, like, the fight pit match is basically an MMA cage, but mm-hmm. with four corners. To hype Seth up, he would start using the Peruvian necktie. Right. Which, visually, isn't going to gather interest from the masses in the audience and the masses at home it's a very niche move <laughs> yeah when i when i saw it i just out of the corner of my eye i see seth rollins i'm like is he is he doing a peruvian necktie i'm just like what an obscure submission to choose from and i'm sure that's why he chose it yeah, yeah. i actually one of my claims to fame is i used to teach at chris weidman's gym chris weidman and ray longo so every now and then i would roll against Chris Weidman. And by roll against, it would be Chris Weidman would throw me around the room as warm-up for the real matches. Because the man the man was ungodly good. But he did a Peruvian necktie to me that was on so fast. I tapped, and my mom tapped, and she lives in New Hampshire. <laughs> it was unbelievable. A good submission, especially a choke, doesn't hurt. You just go out. Is that the most believable move, in your opinion, that can transition to wrestling? Or what are like submission a, moves that you think translate well? Rear naked choke is a classic because it's basically your sleeper hold. Mm-hmm. Arm bar done right with your knees properly. You could do it. I could go out there. I can't do the rest of the wrestling. I am not a pro wrestler. I don't. I would love to be one. I never trained for it. Um, I don't want to pass myself off as one or an expert. But you can fake a, an armbar. You could do it, make it look like it hurts. You know, it's just you know, a lot of the moves. Heel hooks. They do problem with heel hooks. You do them right, that knee's exploding. It's it's that's another move. We're like, yeah, that's not on. It, it's hard. It's it's not a lot to go on. And then there's a lot of gi moves that are, would be spectacular. But unless you are judo gym. <laughs> You don't have a gi. Remember that guy? Yeah. Oh. I saw the difference between when Brock was putting Kimura on in UFC to when he's putting it on in yeah. WWE. With WWE, it's a lot more theatrical. Yes. Like his arm is all the way up in the air. And he's another one. That that man can stretch anybody. He's 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 the real deal. He he you know people crap on him. He could fight. He was better than his run in the UFC. What was something that you noticed that was different from Brock Lesnar from UFC transitioning to WWE? When he came back, he bought into the WWE a lot harder. He became more rounded because I think he said, all right, I did my UFC thing. I'm now WWE. This is where I'm making my money. I seem to be more dedicated towards it. We talked about the negatives Mm. of uh, MMA transitioning to pro wrestling. What's the Mm. positives? The positives is you can make the movement look more realistic. 
a little less theatrical. I actually work with a wrestler, uh, Megan Mason. She's an indie. Uh, she works at VPW. She works in CFU. I just train her jujitsu. I train her in boxing. And I will help her sometimes just try to adjust it for the show. And it, it, it seems to, it's like I tightened her hands up. It makes her hands look more realistic. I know punching in real life is not the same as punching in a, you know, wrestling fashion. Yeah, it's, but it's still in professional wrestling. If uh, I'm in a match, hypothetically, yeah. I'm not just going to drop my hands down. Right. You know what you I mean? Know, you, you, you still got to make it believable. Right. And this was actually um, a short story that will kind of, Megan, one of the, she works in CFU, Combat Fighting Unlimited. It's more of a shoot style. They use a cage outside the ring. And, you know, it's more of an MMA pro wrestling style. So it's like the fight pit, but more fight. Right. And so she had done it last year before I knew her. I probably knew her at the time, but... And she was inexperienced with that style, so she did it, and you know she had a good show. They brought her back this year when I'd been working with her, and she was actually really nice. She goes, they're telling me to bring a corner. Do you want to be my corner? So I got to be a personality in the show, but, you know, and she went out there, and she did great. She's, she's a tough kid. She's really, like, in real life, it's hysterical. She's the sweetest woman ever, but her persona... So she kind of floats in and out with, you know, heelish, facious, which doesn't work in the grand scheme, but in the Indies, it, it works nicely. She's very talented. She fights in a very realistic style. But it was nice because after the event, we go, she comes over, you know, we thank her. The promoter comes over and pulls me to the side and thanks me and says, you've done a really good job with her. And I go, listen, I just do the jujitsu and the boxing. He said, no, she, it really, I, and he thanked me for coming. So it really, I took it to heart. I liked that. I, I, and it turns out he said the same thing to her privately too. So he wasn't just blowing smoke up my ass. Well, that's good. Yeah, I liked it. But it really, it gave me, I got to be an insider for the first time at the event. And that, that was cool because here I am, I'm Mark all my life. And now I'm in, you know, we come in and everybody shakes hands and just says their first name and everybody's on even territory. It was all women's matches. There's a couple AEW people who showed up for AEW. Uh, Julia Smokes was there. He is a unique character. We, we could do a whole show on that guy. What well, a lot of fun. Um, got a, there was uh, a guy, KJ Mack, another indie guy, Scottish guy. He is in VPW. And my son and I, every month, go to the VPW shows. That's like our thing. How and VPW on. is Victory, Victory Pro, Pro Wrestling. Wrestling. They're on Long Island. Meg, that's where I met Megan. She wrestles for them. They're good shows. You can sit in the front row, cheap. It's this guy, KJ Mack, Mohawk, Scottish, Brogue. Really good heel. Just not even like funny, cool heel. Just you suck heel. Like he's doing his job right he's doing a job so i see him at this cfu taping and i go over and he just said kj i go dave he shakes and we're talking and then later on i didn't want to lead with it and be too fanboy but yeah we're talking the whole time and just super nice guy super approachable (laughs) and i'm like dude i gotta tell you 
my son absolutely fucking hates you. <laughs> and he laughs. He goes, I'm doing my job. I go, absolutely. What's the VPW atmosphere like? It's usually, I would say 80% of the crowd is the same every show. Very loyal fans. Odd bunch of people. Great. I fit right in. When I say odd, I mean it lovingly. But there's certain people just like their wrestlers. They're wrestlers and they don't care if they're heels, they don't care if they're faces, they just appreciate the talent. And it's a small show. There's some really, really good talent in there. And it's a, I love going to the shows. It's like my son loves going to the shows. You see things there that you'll see the WWE, the, w, uh, the AEW. They're doing it, you know, in you know the sportsplex in Bohemia or wherever the hell. And the independence kind of transitioned from those territory days, except now they're a little bit more plentiful and a lot more small. In a way, I prefer these little small indie shows. They're very personal. There's a lot of, not audience participation, but they interact with you. You know, they talk to you. Um, Dan Barry. Dan Barry's a local legend. Guys wrestled everywhere. Dan Barry, I don't even know if he's done it on purpose. Three times I've been at shows and he's made me get out of my seat for some reason. He'll come over like I'm sitting here with my son. He'll go, get up! We'll get up and he throws his opponent over the barricade into our seats. One time he grabbed our chairs. He yelled at us to get up. He grabbed our chairs to put a door to put uh, Mike Anthony through it. One time he had my son stand up and hold the guy while he chopped him. It's just, it's a lot of fun. It's just really, the wrestlers there are great. They come out in the intermission. They take photos. Um, some of them will not break character. <laughs> it's amazing. Do you think the the magic of pro wrestling is still there, but in a different way because of independent wrestling? Because before, you wouldn't see, let's say, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, come out in intermission right. and take photos with the crowd. It's, it's a very different business than it was back then. Yeah, and this it's like you you never used to have this because back in the old territory days they couldn't break character. You know, the Iron Sheik, he's from Iran. We hate him. Yeah, Bill you know? Watts would legitimately fire people if they lost a fight in a bar. Yeah. Like there's uh, a character, Evil Kip, a wrestler. Phenomenal wrestler. He will not break character. In the ring, outside, he sells his merch. He's rude to you as you buy his merch. It's great. And then on the flip side, you have all those seasoned watchers of wrestling mm -hmm. who would point that out and say, well, if he's a bad guy, why is he selling merch, merch at a merch table? That's you know? suspension of disbelief. Yeah. But, you know, I, like I said, I am a semi-smart mark. I know he's not a bad guy. I know he's selling merch. I also know that I enjoy watching him be obnoxious to people. It's it's great. And I do have to say that. I You can edit it out if you don't want to. But this is a last VPW show. There's a character called Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. And he is a heel. And he was great. And I've seen him twice. And he, he's a good wrestler. But I saw him get so much heat so quickly. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Now, the VPW show, it's a family show. They, it's supposed to be PG, um, which leads to another story. 
but I'll get to that after. So everybody's supposed to be, you know, there are kids in the crowd. One of the tag teams breaks up. Dr. Sleep is in the crowd. He was, it was like a four-way, a four-team match. And he goes to a kid who's there with his baseball team. It's got to be like eight. He goes, all this is your fault <laughs> to the kid. The kid just looked like, what? And the crowd just, boo, they're losing it. And later on, he's coming out. He, he did a, uh, an attack job on somebody. He comes out, and all the little kids always put their hands up to high-five the wrestlers, and the heels won't do it. So this kid just, Dr. Sleep's going by. He just makes a shot. He puts his hand out, same like 8-9, same ball team. Dr. Sleep goes over to high-five him. As he's about to high-five him, he turns his hand and gives him the finger. And the crowd, you, he ran out of there. You, you thought the crowd was going to murder him. It was amazing. I'm still on Dr. Sleep. Is he a doctor? Of no, sleep? no. Like, he what is, is, his thing is uh, he does the sleeper hold. Oh, okay. Dr. Sleep. There is a character, Dr. Cool, Jay there, Clang. Th- there's multiple doctors there's in multiple. Dr. Cool, Jay Clang, comes out for the first time I see him. He's uh, a regular. He's where his chick is he wears... Um, Hawaiian shirt, shorts, doctor's coat. He has glasses that the lenses are the O's and the word cool. Dr. Cool J. Clang. And he looks like the dumbest gimmick of all time. The man can wrestle. The man is an amazing wrestler. and But then he pulls his shtick off so well. His whole thing, he'll have sunglasses hidden all over. So somebody will come over and rip off his sunglasses and he'll just come up with another pair. And it's just dumb. It's so dumb, it works. And I just, I'm a huge fan of the guy. And plus, he can move. He can really, he can wrestle. Do you think anybody that you see, like give him a couple shout-outs, do you think anybody you see can go to that next level to a WWE, to an AEW, to there, an Impact there's a, Definitely. The guy, um, Jack Tomlinson, he's done enhancement work at both. He's going someplace. He's, he's I going. think I've seen him on TikTok. Yeah, he's he's good. He's uh he's got a good personality. The Shook Crew, Bobby Orlando. I've heard of him. And uh, Bryce Donovan. I've heard of him. Yeah. Those guys, they are they're they're some quality talents. Um, guy Desmond Cole is pretty good. Uh, but where Eric James, the throwback, he's fantastic. Personality looks the part can do the moves he just he's great what, what and, kind of personality uh his whole thing is he's the throwback he comes out and he sings um i want it that way to the crowd and he's just he's just a good solid face you know he's heroic he's what you like uh do do, do and i'm trying to think of the other vsk you've probably heard of him yeah fantastic wrestler but there's Every personality, the the tag team champions, the even Stevens, they're comedic types. I've seen VSK since he was a part of uh, Massage Envy and yeah. Creator Pro. Yeah, he, the, a lot of the VPW guys are Creator Pro. Yeah. Um, but, like, Mr. Tibbs. Mr. Tibbs is, he's an older guy. He's smaller. He is fantastic. He is, I, I, I don't know why... He would be like a 205 Live guy. Okay. He's just, like, he's not big enough physically. The WWE wouldn't pick him up. But he can move. He does the right things. He he works with the new talent. 
is great to see him. You see him on the card, you know you're going to see a good match. With your experience of seeing independent shows, besides, again, the production value of a WWE or AEW, what's the biggest pro and the biggest con for watching an independent shows when you are watching WWE and AEW? The biggest pro of the independent is the accessibility, how close you are to the ring. It's like sometimes it almost becomes a con because you can hear them call the match. The con is just the lack of time, the lack of facilities. Uh, they do like VPW, one month, uh, uh, one show a month. Uh, ECFU is taping two shows at a time. They're, they're all streaming. Um, it's hard to move a storyline like that. It's hard to remember what goes on week to week. It's not their fault. Um, the women's division in VPW, there's not a lot of them. It's hard to get the matches, you know. Not the quality of product, but the lack of product. But it's not their fault. It's like Right, it's the accessibility of right. talent in that division. And speaking yeah. of women, how do you like the progression of women's wrestling over the past some odd years? Oh. From territory to... From to rock and wrestling to current day amazing it is the the women wrestlers there was a period maybe five six years ago where i actually thought the most talented wrestlers in the wwe were the women bailey um charlotte of course they're amazing talents um ronda good solid wrestler kind of you know i mean she needs to be a heel but it it's better than ever been. Rhea Ripley, I think, is fantastic. Agreed. Agreed. And it's very weird because I follow her on Instagram because, you know, I'm a big fan. To see her without the makeup is very strange. It's very jarring how she looked in the Mae Young Classic when she yes. first debuted with WWE with the long hair. So different. Like, she was Charlotte 2.0 almost. Mm -hmm. And then she found this Rhea Ripley character. And now... It's been firing on all cylinders thanks yeah. to the Judgment Day. Throwback. You can actually uh, add this back to the WWE conversation. One of my, I saw Brock Lesnar's, one of his first dark matches with Crash Holly. Ooh, let's talk about that. Oh, he just, well, first of all, he came out, and this is back when he first started where he was way bigger. What, was he wearing the Minnesota Stretching Crew singlet, or was he in the tights at this he point? He was just, I, I don't remember. I think he was just in tights, but they were nondescript. And he came out, and he blotted out the sun. Like, if you have ever seen, go back on YouTube, look at the size of him when he wrestled collegiately. He's not as cut, obviously. No, he was, he was enormous, a, a thick boy. Yeah, and he came out. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? And Crash Holly, this is when he would, you know, do the whole shtick with the, come out with the scale and with hardcore. And it was amazing because he just threw him around. Now, Crash is not a big guy, but it was just, it was like, oh my God. And by saying Crash is not a big guy, he's like my size. <laughs> Yeah, but but let's let's put over uh, Megan Mason. I haven't met I, haven't I don't met her. Have to put her over. She puts herself over. She's got to be fair, yeah. something. She gets it. She is would be in that golden age. She she's an old school wrestler. It's, you know, we're not slapping when we're throwing punches. We're just throwing punches. She, she just kind of lays it in there. She lays it in there. 
She's working. She they have the Gold Rush Rumble in VPW, which is just basically the Royal Rumble renamed. And she comes out, and she's the only woman in the event. And she goes in, and there's another guy, Cade Lothbrook, good solid indie guy, very talented. They're friends. They go in the middle of the ring, and they just start smacking the shit out of each other. So loud, it's echoing. Crack, crack, crack. And she just... And I don't want to say it because it's like she sound She fights like a wrestler. She fights like it's a fight. Like she's a bruiser. Like she's a bruiser. Yeah. Like, you know, there's like Bubba Ray Dudley out there. She just mm-hmm. comes to brawl. And not to say she's not talented, but she makes it look good. And it was really funny because she eventually got eliminated. And as she walks out, she walks by me because I'm sitting there with my son... And she shoves me off my chair because <laughs> she's so mad she got eliminated. Yeah. I mean, come on, it's a gold rush rumble, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, no, she's, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's really, and I think the best part is because she's such a great person in real life that this persona is so funny. The CFU will roll it back. She's doing her promo after she won her match, and her whole thing was she's not afraid to work. She's not afraid to train. She goes, I'm not afraid to train with the greatest people in the world, the toughest trainers, the best fighters, like Dave Patton. And she mentions me. So I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, I think I just became a character in CFU. <laughs> so I go, oh, what will, what will my persona be? And my friend uh, Neil, the famous old school Neil I've mentioned before, oh, yes. goes, well, why don't you be opposite in real life and be like a nice guy? <laughs> Thanks, Neil. You bag of crap. Would you uh, would you actually be a uh, character on a show if you? If I had listen, I will tell you now. One of the few things I regret is never being able to pro wrestle. And I've looked into it. I would love to. I'm a referee. I referee jujitsu, and I would love to ref pro wrestling. Um, Creative Pro is not far from us, mm-hmm. and I looked into it. But they want you to do three months of training as a wrestler. And I agree with that, and I fully understand it. But my injury history at this point, I can't take those bumps for three oh, months. List them off for the viewers, because I know your injury oh, history. Oh, no, my injury history is pretty sense. much bad neck, bad back, hand surgeries, broken noses. All the minor stuff. Dislocated ankles, <laughs> torn LCL. You know, just, it's mostly my neck. Mm-hmm. You know, I have uh, herniated disc C5, C6. I can't take the bumps. I would love to. I would love to do a show. That's why I enjoyed that CFU show. I got to be part of the show. Didn't wrestle. Can't wrestle. Not a wrestler. I want to make sure. I never want anybody to say I claim to be a wrestler. I'm not. I'll, um, I'll put that in. No, it's just, you know, <laughs> I, I don't like people that, oh, yeah, I, you know, listen. It's, I respect them. They're professionals. They are, you know, they earn their their title and what they are. I'm not a wrestler. I'm a jujitsu guy. I am a referee. I'm a passable boxer in the back of the day. Do you think jujitsu and MMA guys are a different kind of tough than professional wrestlers? Or do you think they're on the same level? It is a different world. Jujitsu and boxing and MMA, you're out there. You're going to be hurt. The whole intent is to hurt the guy you're working with. Pro wrestling is exactly the opposite. I'm going out there not to hurt my opponent. I'm there to protect my opponent and make it look good. Mark Henry, the world's strongest slam. Terrifying. Every person to a T I've ever heard has said 
They took that. It was like being held by like a baby. <laughs> he said he did nothing but protect you. That's the big difference. When you get hurt in wrestling, it's because something went really wrong. And you get hurt in MMA, it's because somebody did something really right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's a different mentality. You know, a lot, there's crossover. Jake Hager, uh, Lashley did MMA. Lashley's another guy that will stretch you. Um, How do you feel about uh, professional wrestlers going into the MMA space? Because we had Lashley do it. We had, uh, like you said, Hager do it. Punk did it. uh, Batista did it. Uh, Well, (laughs) Batista did it the right way. Hager, Hager's a, uh, he annoys me, but Hager (laughs) did it the right way. Punk didn't do it the right way. Punk tried to get a big bite. He tried to be, you know, go in a big pond. You know, Batista went, he fought indie show somewhere. Small, local, not indie, but so local MMA. You know, he worked his way up. Lesnar, you know, Lesnar is a one-of-a-kind MMA. Well, not one-of-a-kind, but he's a top level. He's one of the few guys that could just switch over. But again, he's been wrestling, wrestling, collegiate freestyle all his life. You know, Angle, same thing. These guys are legit fighters you could be a a great wrestler not a legit fighter you could be a legit fighter and not a great wrestler they're mutually exclusive it's not like this it's not the same skill set at all and then there are people who are both who do you think transition best from it mma to wrestling Mm -hmm. and then i'm gonna ask you wrestling to mma it's easy well the answer is the same it's brock lesnar (laughs) who uh, what other pro wrestler did as well in mma None. What MMA guy was as big in pro wrestling? None. Lashley had some good fights. He also fought his way up, but he didn't have you know the big, the big fights. Basically, and this is going to irritate some people. In MMA, there's the UFC here, and then Bellator, one Strike Force. There eight. Not Strike Force is gone. There. They're a tier below. They're a tier below. It just is. You know, you might not like it. That's how it is. Just how competition is. Yeah. Do you think Brock Lesnar benefited from the heavyweight division of the UFC being as weak as it was? Um, it wasn't that weak. I think he just, you know, you guys like Frank Mir. Frank Mir is a very talented jujitsu guy. He's a very big guy. I think it, the sport was younger for sure. Um, I think he benefited a bit just being an amazing athlete. You know, I think he benefited by being a lifelong wrestler. Mm-hmm. He actually lost the Mir fight, I believe. Was that the one that was disqualification? I'm trying to remember. No, that one he tapped. He got the foot lock. Yeah. There was a different fight where he got, they said he struck in the back of the head, which was questionable. But it's hard to tell. There's definitely eras in the UFC. There's some guys now that are spectacular, move, you know, moving they move like lightweights and heavyweight. You know, does he do as well? He's also almost 50. Right. You know. Uh, taking Brock Lesnar from back then when he yeah. first debuted in the UFC, we plop him into UFC today. of today. How does he, he do? He would have a lot harder time, but the sport is older. Mm-hmm. But if you take Brock Lesnar, ten, you know, put him 10 years ago in his prime, or like, t- you know, if he had come up in the sport now, mm-hmm. he would be, you know, a lot better too it's just the training it's just the schools that are available is much better so if you said let's just say he was 
25 five years ago. So now he's 30. He's been training in the, the schools they have now for five years. He'd be great. You know, the man's a stud athlete. Do you think anybody in current day professional wrestling can make a transition to MMA that we haven't seen before? Um, <laughs> Matt Riddle. No, <laughs> no. I mean, it's it's nobody strikes me as just pops out because, like I said, it's two separate skills. But anybody in pro wrestling could make the transition. They're athletes. What was the most surprising lightning in a bottle when it comes to? MMA and wrestling just kind of transitioning to that more realistic style of WWE and entertainment and adapting these MMA like philosophies. But if they, uh, it's just, just like, you know, it's like before you didn't have the, uh, the tap out, like Taz was the one who brought the, the tap out. Right. The Taz mission. Yeah. That like we're, opponents were tapping out before it's like that would just move the arm and to see if they passed out. Yeah. um i don't think there was any decisive moment or any i think they've actually been very subtle about moving it in and like i said that's the techniques themselves it's it's hard to do it's hard to duplicate like leg kicks you don't see a lot of, you never used to see a lot of like you see them wear the shoulders and control holds and you know rolling you didn't see a lot of people wearing the legs down. Oh, I'm going to kick the leg. You would see them stomping on the knee. But now you have people kicking the legs standing up. That's become you know more ingrained in people's head. Hey, that hurts. Like rest- wrestlers have been wearing more kick pads. Right. Like uh, So you can really lay into it. We're about to wrap up here, but I always ask, what is your favorite match? Or just give me a couple favorite matches that you have in oh, Hawaii. The favorite match, and it's kind of a cop-out picking it, but... Undertaker Mankind. The Hell in a Cell? Hell in a Cell. The greatest thing I have ever seen in my life. It is just... It's amazing because it's gutsy. Um, it's crazy. It's like, oh my God, how is he getting up from that? It is, it's, And you can actually see the expression on Undertaker's face if you get the right camera angle. Mm-hmm. That he doesn't even understand how he's getting, still getting back up. What, what's amazing about that too is not only Mick Foley dives off the cell and then climbs back up and then just to go go that wasn't supposed to happen right it just collapsed yeah undertaker has a broken foot throughout the whole match i did not know that that's crazy his foot was completely because that's why mick foley wanted to do the cage spot to begin with because he's like i suck in a cage undertaker's got a broken foot i have to make this match different from the first hell in a cell match which was incredible that to me is never to be rivaled that is untouchable to me i have i'm gonna push back a little bit it's a different Hell in a Cell match, though. Okay. One of the most recent Hell in a Cell matches. The Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins Hell in a Cell match, where Cody Rhodes competes with his pick completely torn yeah. off the bone. Um, it's a different kind of diff- brutality. That, that's a that's a sto- that's a storytelling. Yeah. You know, I, and you could even accuse of the Undertaker, uh, Foley being a, a spot fest. I mean, it like a tell st- a story. like a people accuse it as being a stunt show. Like Ric Flair right. had that. Famous saying about Mick Foley, he's just a glorified stuntman. Right. You know, stuntman spot fest. And that was also the first time they used uh, thumbtacks. Yeah. But, uh, no, that to me is a big one. That was a great match. And uh, I just had a second one pop in my head. Hogan winning the title from the Sheik. That was, just to see that was mind-blowing. Oh, my God. 
the Iron Sheik has been defeated. And it's funny because I always equate people's happiness and cheering and to that. I'm like, I what do you feel like? I felt like I was Hulk Hogan just beating the Iron Sheik. You know. So that's like the the magnum opus when it comes to crowd reaction. Yeah. Too. Well, that's also I'm viewing that through the eyes of like a fifteen year old, fourteen year old. So, right. Yeah. You know, that's thinking back. Is that more nostalgia? Is it? Maybe, but it was, it's, it's a great moment. The funny thing is I don't remember the match. I remember that moment. You remember the drop the leg and drop the leg and the crowd just absolutely going fucking bananas. Has any match or moment in wrestling come close to that in your opinion? Um, no, but uh, when Reigns goes, that will be pretty close. (laughs) And this is a great question to ask you too, because you went through those eras with, people being champions for multiple years at oh, a time. Hogan was like... Yeah, yeah. How, how has Roman Reigns' reign compared to all those championships when people hold it for multiple years when nowadays that's a rarity? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because I remember when they were pushing him in his heel, uh, excuse me, as a face, and you're like, all right, get this guy off my screen. Yeah. Now, you know, and a lot of it is Heyman. But the chemistry between the two of them, it's fantastic. I love seeing him in the, in, as a scumbag. And the, the, the Usos, the whole bloodline, it's just a, it's an amazing story. They have the right characters. Sami Zayn was fantastic. Owens, Owens is an underrated talent. I agree. He's fantastic. But um, I was at, where was I? At um, was it SmackDown? Yeah. At Mohegan, it was Mohegan's son a couple months ago. My son and I. That's right, you were there. We were there, and we were close enough that you could see Heyman's facial expressions. And that man is a genius. The whole bloodline story, if you don't have Heyman, falls apart. I say if you don't have any one person within that bloodline story, it falls apart. But I think he is is the glue. He is the heart and soul of that. I will say a close second to that bloodline story. And it's not Roman. It's Jay. Yeah, Jay's... The, I remember when they first came out, you know, they, and it was just like... I think I saw them live pretty early. And I was just like, yeah, they're all right. You know, but they really... They've come into their own. Would you rank the Bloodline storyline as a whole within the top ten wrestling stories? Easily top ten. Easily. What about top five? I would say top five. Oh, wow. Possibly, you know, and again, it's a recency bias. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's definitely top five. It's it's just so well done. Like, if you had other wrestling stories, what would you compare that to? I, I Like, I, just opinionated. I, I can't, like, the whole, Hogan chasing the title was great. I mean, I, I, I'm an old man guy. Yeah, you know, but, <laughs> but that and, oh, I remember the other match. You the, see what happens when we talk like the this? The TLC yeah. match. Which one? Edge and Christian, the Hardys, and the Dudleys. WrestleMania 2000 or 17? The the first one was crazy. That one... That was SummerSlam 2000. Was, yeah, I okay. think it was SummerSlam. That was one of the best matches I've ever seen. That was just... They just went for it. All right, but back to the storylines. See, the thing is, it this, this that's why... Think about it. What other storylines can you think of? You're having trouble thinking of other storylines. This bloodline, although it's recent, it's so well done. Mm-hmm. 
You know, there have been so and so chases a title, hacksaw and iron sheik. Uh, you know, yeah. I think a lot of complaints with the uh, bloodline story is that all the opponents that gone up against Roman are pretty much either a one and done and yeah. b bloodline interference. So yeah. they don't get the follow-up. And that's where a lot of people's fears with Cody come from. And, of course, this introduction of a new World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. Uh, and people are calling it the Consolation Championship. you got to remember, like, yeah. it's the internet era. Yeah. There will always be people who don't like something. Uh, agreed, and yeah. And for stupid reasons. Yeah. I, you know, you can't go on Twitter anymore. It's, it's like just... what I said when Roman beat Cody. I can't criticize the book when I didn't finish reading it. Right. You know, I could criticize the chapter, but again, I haven't finished reading the book. Yeah, like, they could have ended it that night in Cody 1, and it would have been an end of a great story. Mm-hmm. And, but they can still end the story well, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it was the whole swerving with the bloodline and Sammy and Jay, I think that was fantastic. Because I'm yeah. sitting there, and I'm like, that's it. He's this is it. They're gonna go to you know. He's turning over newly, and and you know this is as an adult who knows what's going on. And then somebody goes, it's gonna be so sad when he turns on Sammy, and I was just like, oh my god, he's gonna turn on Sammy. <laughs> and I was like, shit. I became very emotionally invested. Yeah, and that rarely happens in wrestling, yeah. at least in my opinion nowadays. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me on here. It's great that we've been talking about having you on the show for a while i'm happy to do it i'm glad that you were here and able to fill in the gaps in my memory and give me you know the details do run that yeah. run together and but. again always an open invite for you if you All ever right. have uh, one of those thoughts you could call me at three in the morning saying hey can we talk about this i'm like there yeah you go. absolutely actually you should do a watch uh event we get like uh, summer slam okay. you and maybe we all watch and just comment on it oh yeah that would be there great and uh, and it's good because you don't see me, so uh, you know, <laughs> I have, as my mother used to say, I have a face for radio. So, <laughs> all right, uh, Dave, where can we find you on the socials if you want to like, give them? Like I said, I am on Instagram at your mom's favorite ref. Um, if you like dog pictures, if you like jujitsu and stupid dad jokes, that's your place. <laughs> uh, Facebook, don't even bother. That's uh, yeah. I have that for family. It's boring. Yeah, not a problem. And where yeah. can we find uh, Megan? Megan, you, she is uh, on Facebook. She is Megan the Facebreaker Mason. Um, I can't. I'm off the top of my head. You know what? I'm going to look it up because I don't want to be that guy and give you the wrong information because she's worth the work. Uh, yeah, it's Megan breaks faces. Ooh, that's a good handle. Yeah, and that's good. And also, I want to give out a shout out if I may. A shout out! I'm like old man. <laughs> no, um, to uh, my Rocksteady boxing team. I uh, I work at a uh, nearby medical school with Parkinson's patients using boxing as therapy, and they are a bunch of maniacs and they work really hard. So I just want to give them a shout out in case they in case they uh, are listening to the wrestling <laughs> podcast and hear this. Oh, that'd be great! So we we always like more listeners here. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, Dave, thank you as always, and my name is Richie Mars. You can find me on Instagram on and the Twitter, at Retold Richie Mars, and on the TikTok, the one Richie Mars. And this has been Wrestling Retold and Relived. 
See you guys again next Tuesday. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. And here we go. TTFN. Ta-ta for now. I know that one.